podcast by committee is brought to you by game time your new go-to app for the best deals on last minute tickets did you know nfl ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts game time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers then shows you all the best last minute deals with prices up to 60 percent off more than 12 million fans have downloaded the game time app and discovered the fastest easiest way to get into the game and if you're not into sports I know I pretty much say this every week when we do the game time ad here. Uh, it's you know you could do Broadway shows, you can do concerts, maybe new kids on the block are in town on one of those reunion tours. Check out Game Time; you can probably get some cheap, cheap tickets to go see them. So head to the App Store, or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome to Podcast by Committee, greatest fantasy show on earth. Uh, we're bringing back an old favorite to talk some dolphins, to talk some Bengals, to talk some crappy teams. Your friend and mine, Michael Selfino. If there's anybody who's the perfect person to talk about the crappy teams, it's me. Because, you know, I am, I don't want to say that I'm a glass half empty guy. And, you know, some people see the glass half full, some people see it half empty. I don't even see the glass. <laughs> that's perfect then then we're in good shape already um just a quick reminder for everyone listening uh if, if you're listening on itunes if you're not a subscriber yet to the athletic there are a couple ways to get in the door here you can get a free trial for a week if you just want to poke around the athletic.com slash free trial uh but if you just want to go in and enjoy it and just get that 40 percent off right off the bat the athletic.com slash pbc uh we as a show are giving you 40 percent off uh, 20 from selfino 20 from me Sound good? Yeah, deal. Yeah. Thir- 35 from Selfino, 5 from me. That's the kind of guy he is. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, do you know, you know more what? Let's talk Selfino. How are, you, how are you doing? How's life? Doing good. You know, I mean, I can't believe how close we are to winding down the NFL season. Like, the fact that we're already in week 10. I mean, things don't feel like they're that evolved, but here we are you know, in the home stretch. So, um, like hopefully people's people have, uh, uh, had a good year as far as, uh, fantasy is concerned, but it's been, you know, to me, like this has been like a really tough year. There's just been so much, uh, so many issues at quarterback that have bled through the league and really crushed a lot of fantasy value and hopes. You know what I, you know what I kind of liken it to? It's like, uh, when you get, you know, you sleep for, you quote unquote, sleep for eight hours, but you were like, I was up all night tossing and turning. I woke up at three. I woke up at like 550. Um, that's, that's how, like, that's what the season has been like. It hasn't been like settled. It's just been kind of like herky jerky. Yeah. Like even if you're having a good year, I'm sure there are things that have made you feel very anxious about your team. You know, I don't, I doubt that anybody's really gotten just a clean look, uh, had a great draft and is just riding the wave. Yeah, it's uh, it's just an odd year, and it's you know, it's not like I only have one team. I've got like twelve, and all of my teams are just it's just a weird, I don't know, weird year, all with different players. Anyway, speaking of weird, the Miami Dolphins, um, you know, half tank job, half unfortunate injuries, uh, and half untimely suspensions, um, leads us to Kalen Balaj and Mike Gesicki leading this offense. Uh, let's start with Balaj because I think he's on a lot of people's lips, Mike. Uh, let me just pose this question that we can get into him as a player. Would you start him in a flex 
in a 0.5 PPR over uh, Mike Williams? I have nothing positive to say about Balage. Would you take two negative statements? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but, we'll take whatever you can give us. Um, no, seriously. Like, I just, I, I don't, I don't see how he's playable. He's one of twelve players in uh, NFL history since the 1970 merger to have two yards to average two yards or less on 35 or more carries. So, I just think that this guy's like a total stiff. I can't imagine that they're going to give him a lion's share of the touches. Maybe they will, but there have to be other options on the Dolphins roster. So I'm speculating on guys like Gaskins and Lair to see if they can pop because they don't really cost anything uh, in terms of free agent acquisition money on the waiver wire. And plus you could uh, first come first serve them. If you have a draft, they're not going to require much draft capital. You could just pick one of those guys up even now or prior to kickoff. So that's the direction that I'm going there. Re- I'm really trying to go cheap because I don't think that anybody and there's no running back on the Dolphins that that, in my opinion, deserves uh, anything more than like a, a cursory bid. Well, you know, I was uh, dubious of the Ty Johnson situation when carry on Johnson went down. Uh, something just didn't feel right. And I, I think maybe it was McKissick knows that offensive system. Uh, maybe Paul Perkins, who they traded for, was kind of floating out there. Um, but is is this the same thing? Because it just seems like Balage, you know, with all the preseason talk about him maybe being the lead ball carrier and stuff like that, might have a volume uh, positive at least, right? Like, I mean, this could be 15 carries. Even if he's a stiff, 15 carries. And if you get into the red zone a little bit and you punch it in, that's something maybe? Well, Tra Carson was was the guy who got the touches that first week, but then he got immediately hurt. Um, that was sort of like a you know a Scatman Crothers thing, where you know the, you wait and wait and wait for the guy, and then he's out of the picture in like five seconds. So um, I, I think with I think with uh, Balage, I, I just I, I would be shocked if he got a bell cow's allotment of touches and these are dolphin touches. So what's the point? I'd rather, I'd rather speculate on, on um, sort of the devil that I don't know. And with uh, Laird or Gaskins, Laird was their leading rusher in the preseason. He's even easier to get than Gaskins is. Gaskin has a little bit of draft pedigree and was a more productive college player that people have heard of. Uh, But, but I would, I would definitely go with either of those guys and just, Leave Bollage alone. All right. Uh, well, you can't spell Gaskins without Gasicki. That's what we say here at Podcast by Committee. Yes. Um, so say you're flexing. Let's let's do it just a straight up PPR league. You've got Peyton Barber, and Mike Gasicki this week. Which way are you going to go? Oh, Gasicki is to, to me like he's in the, he's he's definitely in the circle of trust now. I mean, he's coming off a decent game, uh, a, actually a good game against the Jets. He was he's got second round draft pedigree. Fitzpatrick is is not a a, a stiff at quarterback. He should be able to uh, function a little bit, and I think the reasonable expectation is for 250 passing yards from from Fitzpatrick in a game, and then you just have to kind of reverse engineer those 250 yards and figure out uh, who's going to get uh, the the uh, a significant allotment of it. And now with the injuries to the Dolphins receivers, uh, it just seems, and Devontae Parker is not a guy who, who is heavily targeted. I, I just think that Gasicki is, is a really good bet to get like nine targets this week. And to me, you know, that's, that's, 
that's the way I, I roll. If I think a tight end is going to get nine targets, he's definitely going to be in my lineup. So I'm playing Gasicki everywhere I was able to pick him up. Uh, are you? I mean, would you flex him over Mike? The disappointing Mike Williams. I mean, I think that there's they're they're in the same bucket. I mean, Williams did have I think 103 yards last week, but he only had four targets. It's just maddening how Williams is not a emphasized in the Chargers passing game. Uh, Hunter Henry right now is a guy that um, looks like he's, he, it's like Allen and Henry and then whatever, uh, sometimes Eckler. Uh, but even Eckler only got as many targets as Melvin Gordon last week, which is crazy. So since Eckler is, you know, one of the best receiving receivers that uh, running backs that I can recall in, in right. my lifetime. So, um, uh, but I think, you know, Williams does have explosiveness. He does get targeted in the end zone. I wrote about that last week, and he had another one um, uh, in, in last week's game. So he's 0 for 8, I think, on end zone targets, and the expected conversion rate is about 40%. So that's about four expected touchdowns, three or three to four expected touchdowns that he hasn't gotten that you know, there's really no reason for it. I right. mean, he showed last year that he was really good at, in in converting those targets into touchdowns. He did it three times just against the Chiefs, and and he got the two point conversion, which is worth something. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, I, I like I like looking at two point conversions a little bit because they're basically treated as. Um, touchdown so it's as if the team was at the two yard line and and so the player that they emphasize in those um two-point conversions even though they don't count as touchdowns for us i think are a good proxy for uh touchdown viability since that player did get the opportunity there uh you know let me just wrap up the dolphins real quick because it seems like you like some you don't like many is this i mean this isn't like a as te- this isn't as terrible a team as I thought it was when I was going through like my pickups this week and looking at like some players who might be sneaky ads. Um, you know, you have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, like you said, isn't a stiff, uh, throwing the ball to Gasicki, obviously, Devontae Parker, who's, you know, deep threat and can catch one for 72 and a touchdown, uh, or it could be like, you know, well, he scored, he, he's, he's had a lot of touchdown deodorant, as my friend and colleague Scott Pianowski of Yahoo uh, likes to say. Uh, he's, I think he scored four of the touchdowns in four of the last five games. Yeah. But but he's not he's not really heavily involved otherwise in the offense. And then, well, then you have Alan Hurds and Albert Wilson, who were kind of Albert Wilson, uh, Chris Perkins, our Miami writer, liked a lot uh, preseason or early in the season. Um, and Alan Hearns, I mean, we've seen him do well before. I think Hearns had 36 and Wilson had maybe 38% of the snaps last week. Um, but when you take Preston Williams out of there, maybe that shakes it up a little bit. I mean, could we be watching red zone and seeing, you know, on the, the side there, today's best performances, Alan Hearns, you know, eight receptions, 102 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. Uh, I mean, I guess anything's possible, but you my can, strong, right? my, my strong lean, I, I you know, Alan Hearns, even being still alive in an NFL sense is kind of surprising. I, I would, um, I, I would bet if I'm, if I was going to bet on any dolphin receiver, it would definitely be, be Gusecki who's a, a tight end. And that's not like a bonus. Uh, so right. uh, my expectation is that he leads the team in targets this week. All right. So say he gets like, let's reverse engineer it. Like you said, man, let's say he gets like 85 
and say like the running backs account for maybe 30. Although I, you know what? I got to check this while I'm talking or while you're talking, but uh, I'm pretty sure Indianapolis gives up a lot of yards to pass catching backs this season. I think they might be like one or two to pass catching. Anyway, uh, that leaves, I mean, that leaves Parker with maybe like, you know, let's say 70. So that's what, 190? That still leaves 60 yards for a couple people. And that's as sure. good as base at 250. Like but, Patrick, the thing, you know. but, but who do we bet on? I mean, is there a rational way right. to bet on anybody else? And if there's well, not, that's what I'm asking I just, you. Yeah, I don't think there is. So then I would just go, I would move on to the next team since, you know, Parker, you could bet on just because he does have, um, he was a high draft pick, plus he has been productive even in the absence of targets. So you, I think you could say to yourself, well, he's going to get more targets now. So uh, to me, it's a very narrow tree there. The only two guys I would be interested in at all are Gusecki and Parker. Fair enough. And while you were talking, I did look up uh, the Colts, and it turns out I was wrong. They're just kind of middle of the road, 41 yards a game to opposing running backs. Nando, I don't believe in defense. You know, like to me, like I could, I, I, I don't, I don't care at all about, you know, how teams are in defending running backs or tight ends. Like a lot of that stuff is just a function of who you're playing. To me, offenses control, I would say, two thirds of the offense versus defense outcomes. So, you know, if if you have a guy like uh, an Austin Eckler um, or uh, a Kamara and you're up against a team that has a good so uh, a supposedly good defense against defending uh, running backs in the passing game. I don't think that really matters much because they haven't faced guys like Kamara and Eckler. So who cares like who they're defending and who they've compiled those stats against? All right. Well, thanks for telling me that I just wasted looking that up. It's a much appreciated. <laughs> no, I'm <man>. just saying. <laughs> thanks, uh, you know, friend. I'm just for the most part. I think in fantasy football we get a little bit matchup crazy. You know, play the play the guys on the good offense. Don't really worry about the defense. Every once in a while, there will be an outlier defense, <clears throat> an outlier defense on the good side or on the bad side that we have to target or avoid. But that's very rare. Speaking of which, and this isn't in the rundown, but just moving along off the Dolphins as you suggested. Uh, Patriots D on a buy. Yeah, but should you trade? Would you trade him for Joe Mixon? Because I would. Emery wrote a great story about Joe Mixon. Uh, you know, AJ Green coming back, breaking down some of the Joe Mixon plays and like how the line isn't doing its job on a lot of these. Um, I think maybe with AJ Green opens up that offense, but it's it's more about the, this Patriots defense that is about to get exploited. I think with actual opponents coming up. Um, I mean, if you're if you you're know, in a league where somebody will trade for defense, God bless, man. You should be winning that league like every single year. I mean, who? Dude, who I, on I wrote a story on trades. It. People crapped all over me for saying you should trade the, the Patriots' defense. I, I mean, defensive performance is not projectable. It's mostly a function of turnovers, which are random. The, like turnovers and defensive scores are descriptive; they're not predictive. So anybody who trades for a defense is a chump. Like, and I know we can go back in history and say, "Oh, the Bears' defense. Oh, the Jaguars' defense." But then those defenses get drafted highly the next year on the expectation that their performances are something that we can bet on, and they always end up being busts. Always. So, it, but if that's the case, if we cannot bet on a defense from year to year. Why do we think that we can bet on it from game to game? Now, I will stipulate that it's a better bet from game to game within a season, 
you know, because at least you're talking about mostly the exact same people. But it still, I think, exposes the fallacy that defense, uh, defensive scoring and fantasy football is remotely predictive. Well, you know what else got me is uh, people are like, oh, don't trade them because in the last two, their, their last two weeks of the fantasy playoffs, they have these amazing opponents they can crush. And I'm like, five weeks away at this point, you know, it was like seven weeks away from that. You don't know what that team's going to look like. All it takes is like, you know, a Patrick Mahomes getting hurt and Matt Moore suddenly the quarterback. Um, or, you know, a team that's gelled together or the Patriots losing a couple of their safeties and it's a totally different look. So I don't know, man. If, if like, you could trade, if you could trade it, look, I'll say this. If you could trade a defense for anything playable, you should do it 100 times out of 100. Thank um, you. But, but uh, you know, mostly what you do, and this goes to what I was saying previously, with, with uh, defense and fantasy football, you're mostly matching up against the bad offenses. Because the bad offenses are are far more predictive than the good defenses. So if you're playing a team that gets sacked a ton because their pass protection is so bad, just play their opponent that week. Look more at the offense and less at the defense when this picking a defense. This is why it's fun talking to you. This is why you're back. You're a first <laughs> return guest on Podcast by Committee. No way. Yeah, it's true. Really? Well, well, our Tuesday what shows are all the beat writers. Oh, okay. you, basically, you just beat out Jordan Rodrigue, who we're going to have back at some point, and probably Scott Bordeaux. And then next <laughs> week, uh, who knows? You know, it might be, might be another one. Of and the I'll writers. always be the I'll always be the first. I I hold this I hold this distinction for like the rest of my life. Nobody else can ever be the first. No one else could ever be the first. Um, what do you think of the Bengals, by the way? Well, well, we're on them. With AJ Green coming back, is that going to change things? Is Joe Mixon headed for some good stuff, uh, or is it just the same old block? A, a, a rookie quarterback. He's barely. I mean, he. It's it's tough counting him as a rookie because he's so old. He's already twenty four years old. But he was a fourth round pick. Even if we give him the credit of being such a high fourth round pick, and we want to put him in sort of the third and fourth round bucket. There, this century, there are 54 quarterbacks who were drafted in the third or fourth round. Six of them went to at least one Pro Bowl. If we use that as a proxy, since making the Pro Bowl is not even like, you know, some of the quarterbacks on that list who made the Pro Bowl, you wouldn't even think that they were good. So what has he got, a 10% chance of being decent? I mean, I don't know. But you maybe know, it's hard. Is that the guy they drafted to fit the Zach Taylor offense? You know what I mean? And Andy Dalton wasn't that guy who was going to fit the Zach Taylor offense. Well, assuming that Zach Taylor is this uber genius that everyone said he was. That doesn't. Uh, well, I, I think that that's been a proven fallacy. Um, but the the thing about what you're saying doesn't every team draft a quarterback that they think fits their system? So, like, what what would that you know? Did the Rams just wake up and just say, hey, you know what we're going to do different? We're going to draft a quarterback that fits our system, not like all these other chump teams. Yeah. So I still think the base rate applies. Look, you know, I want to be optimistic. I hope Finley's good. I root for a world where every team has a great quarterback. It makes football more fun. So I am rooting to be wrong on Finley. However, the the numbers say that it's extremely unlikely, uh, it, meaning it's 90% probable that Finley is not going to make it and will not be the quarterback of the Bengals next year. Fair enough. Uh, actually, uh, Emery likes the other guy. What, was who's name. the other guy? The yeah. the guy who was third. He's the backup now for Cincinnati. I forgot his oh. name already. I yeah. should have had it ready to go. That's my bad. 
I mean, Finley's definitely starting, so. Yeah, but I think Emery just likes him better. Over Didn't, didn't you read Emery's article? It was good. I, 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 I did. I was looking mostly at the mix and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Traquan Smith, I want to get on real quick. Um, uh, only because I think he's in my brain because I edited Vaccaro's column uh, for today. And he had some stuff to say about Traquan Smith. And I'm like, oh, you know, I, I, like I thought he was kind of borderline coming back. And the stuff I read, it seemed full practice. He's ready to go. Um, is he going to change that offense a little bit and immediately be impactful? Do you are you a fan of that? Drew Brees quarterback, I, I, you know, I, I, I am a fan of that. I think that that was good analysis. Uh, and I went to the Evans league that I'm in and to just to see if Smith, since he probably wasn't projected uh, as scoring much this week. Um, was available and he was and I immediately picked him up. This is an extremely deep 14-team league. Um, and this is a very tough week for the buys, which we should point out. So this is a situation where beggars can't necessarily be choosers because you have six teams off. And this is a year where there's not a lot of um, reliable production at any position anyway. So I, I do like the speculation on Smith. Smith's a guy who, you know, he, he was a reasonably high draft pick. He does have talent. He has had one bust out game already in his NFL career where he had like, I think over 150 yards and a, a, a touchdown or two. So he's capable of an outburst like that, which is, which is good to know. Like he does have a ceiling. Uh, I don't know really what his floor is, though, because there's been a there's been a lot of talk that, um, you know, he had a bad training camp even before his ankle, according to the beat writers in in New Orleans. And um, there was talk that he was being squeezed out uh, on the depth chart by uh, Kirkland, who, you know, hasn't even really been heard heard from. So um, I think it. I buy the narrative. I like the narrative. I just don't know if the player is is um, going to earn a significant, like a lion's share of the snaps. I hope that that's right, true. Right. But I think it's worth it. I think it's worth an ad this week because, like you said, I mean, it is Drew Brees, and he and Brees threw for what, like three hundred eighty yards last week. Yeah, I mean, it's it's someone's. It's got to go to someone, right? Yeah, yeah, no, huh. definitely. Um, I want to bring up Jared Goff. This is a personal personal story. Uh, my waiver wires this week because I have a lot. It turned out I have a lot more Gardner Minshew than I thought I did, uh, and he's obviously on buy everywhere and no longer the starter. Uh, so it's a double double dose of ouch. I've seen a lot of Jared Goff. Like there's Jared Goff, there's Baker Mayfield, um, there's Mitch Trubisky, and uh, I was surprised to see Jared Goff on my waiver wires. Is that a foolish move, or are you not? Uh, off not the top fan? of your head, off the top of your head, what? Yeah. How many how many passing yards would you would you guess? that Jared Goff is on pace for this year? Um, well, don't look it up. I'm just, not looking it up. I'm humming. Uh, I'm trying to oh, do some math here. That's, that's the, the DeFino computer operating. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing two, what's 240 yeah. times 16. That's, that's the, that's Let's the, say 3,200. He's on pace for 4,700 passing yards. Oh, so that was a, a good one. So the point is, when you're on pace for 4,700 passing yards, you're definitely inside the, the QB12 line. I mean, Goff should be playing and just look at his last like five games. I think he's, he had the one stinker. Um, I forget against who, but the other games he's been, can I look that up? Uh, Permission to look that up. Right. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's been yeah, right okay. around, I think 282 is his lowest and he's been over 300, three other times in the last five games. Uh, 268 was his lowest. 
Um, he had that 78-yard game against San Francisco. Uh, yeah, yeah, 372, 395, 517, 268, 283, 186. Wait, is that Jared Goff? Yeah, right. it's a Jared Goff page. Right, but he's but currently the, at 23, 67 through eight games. But so yeah, but, but still, But three of the last four games, he's been over over 300. Is that correct? Yeah, you can. So of the last five, three are over 300. Three over three hundred and fifty, and the other and the other one was two hundred. Yeah, three over three fifty, and the other one was two sixty eight. So I think projecting him. I'm sorry. I think he. I think he could project him for three hundred yards, and if he can do that with any quarterback, he's got to play. That's why I think Josh Robinson is actually the big get on the waiver wire this week. Like Josh Robinson, to me, is the is is starred, check marked, circled. Like he's the guy. That you have to stick in your lineup this week, just because. Who are you starting him? Who are you starting him over? Ronald Jones in the flex. Well, I'm just looking at it more as as receiver rankings. He's he's got to be wide receiver thirty at a minimum this All week, right. and I would say you know I would probably put him even a little bit higher because here's uh, no one's really going to care about stopping Josh Robinson this week. So, you know, the focus is going to be on Cup and a little bit on Woods, right? He's going to have more of of free reign. And plus, he was productive last week after Cooks went down or last game. Hey, guys, Beller, uh, producer here, just going to chime in and say Josh Reynolds, not Josh Robinson. Oh, Josh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. All right, take it away. Take it away. I'm I'm, I'm myself again. Josh, Josh Reynolds. I'm sorry. That was a brain fart. I was just Uh, blindly agreeing with you. A typical Selfino <laughs> brain fart. Josh Reynolds is who I meant. Uh, Thank you, Mike. Well, Thank you, Michael. You can't be trusted. You can't be trusted anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, would you start him? But, over... but, but uh, okay. Oh, so I want so so I want to emphasize Josh Reynolds is the guy to definitely uh, get in in into your fantasy lineups this week. Who's Josh? Ro- was Josh Robinson that Penn State running back? He's got to uh, be some... somebody because yeah. uh, I, you know I would. Uh, that that's probably the reason why I'm um, doing it where, you know, he existed at some point in some capacity and I'm just conflating. I forgive you. And uh, I'm sure the listeners will as well. It's good advice. Would you start him over Odell Beckham and Michael Gallup? No. Uh, Gallup's, uh, yeah, Gallup. Yeah, Gallup. The, the problem with Gallup is he had the one big game the, the first week and everybody was kind of like planting flags in their touts for Gallup. But then since then, I don't think he's been over 58 yards receiving. Oh. Um, so I think I think Reynolds and Ro- and, and uh, Gallup are kind of in the exact same bucket. Um, but I, you can't like, look, I know Beckham, I wrote in the scouting notebook that Beckham has like four times as many uniform infractions as touchdowns this year. So, which is, <laughs> you know, which is not good. Right. Uh, like, what if I told you, and I was as bare, I was probably the most bearish person on the Browns only because I always fade the off season champion. Like that is a time tested right. winning formula in NFL prognostication is to just fade the, the, uh, the Super Bowl champion of March. Right. And that was the Browns. So, but if you would have told me that Landry and Beckham will would both be healthy and would have two touchdowns combined after eight games, I would have said you were crazy. That's it's insane. insane. It, so, I, like, all right, let me ask you this. 
does it continue to be insane or are we going to see some serious regression over the next half season? Because I, I think it's going to be regression. I think Mayfield's going to snap out of it and just start trusting Odell Beckham to catch anything that comes his way. Um, and well, then it's, P- it's going to be like, he's going to look like Cooper Cup did in the first eight games. Uh, Pianowski said that we're going to look back, and I agree with him, that we're going to look back on this and like Freddie Kinch- Kitchens is going to become like a... Um, a point of reference where it'll be like in the future, oh, this guy's a terrible coach, but he's no Freddie Kitchens. Like, in other words, Kitchens <laughs> will be like, you know how Ray Hanley used to be in New York yeah. for the Giants, yes. where it was like, where it, because Kitchens seems so far over his head that, um, it's it's unfathomable that with this level of talent that's been proven elsewhere, he's unable to uh, fabricate a functional NFL offense. It's so str- dude, it's so strange. Like we were talking to Zach Jackson before this on this show, talking to Zach Jackson, our Cleveland writer, and he's like, yeah, Freddie Kitchens. I think he's like he's very aggressive. Um, there you know there'll be a lot of like a, like almost like a fun play calling ish thing. Um, and meanwhile, like every every kind of chance I get, I ask about Todd Monken. Um, you know, has, is over the bye, like, is he going to give some control of Todd Monken? Because Monken, when he took over the play calling for the Bucks last year, um, Greg Allman wrote a great story yeah. about that. Like, they, they turned it on. And I mean, you got this guy who did awesome things last year with the Bucks, and apparently Kitchens isn't relinquishing anything to Todd Monken. It's crazy. Yeah, it's just, it's a weird setup because usually the play caller uh, head coach has a lackey as his offensive coordinator who's just kind of like, um, you know, clearly a second in command. Where Monken had had such success historically in terms of yards per pass play for the Bucks offense last year that it was very uh, strange that they brought in a guy that had that level of pedigree and had such a good resume to basically function as a, you know, I, I don't know what relative, like, right. you know, he's just, he's just pretty much executing another guy's offense. What's the point of having Monken? That's 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 what I thank you. That's what I want to know. I wonder what this Brown season would look like if Greg Williams was the head coach. They're un, they undisciplined, man. They're, it's we do that yards lost to penalty database, and the Browns are all over it. And that that is a that is to me that's a story that people haven't really written about. Like, and I'm not even saying Williams is a great coach, but it was just a better framework where. Um, but but how could you do that? Like Kitchens was sort of the the whisperer to to Mayfield, right? And Mayfield would have went ballistic if if they brought in Kitchens. And what if they uh, if they fired Kitchens, which you basically would have had to have done? Why he could have been the OC? He could have stayed on as the OC. Well, no, because one of those guys was going to leave because they were going to feel slated. I don't know. If, I don't know if unless would have given unless Kitchens, Kitchens a head coaching job. Well, no, but they he would have gotten a coordinator job somewhere else. Just Why not like be the Williams coordinator did. for the Browns with Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham, and maybe they give him a little more money? See, I thought you were saying Williams and Monken like that. I really well, like. that would have been that would have been awesome too. I'm, I'm like in saying, retrospect, why not keep that, what was working last year? Uh, yeah, I'm, but to me, you know, Kitchen's viability as a offensive play caller and strategist has been. Um, exposed as being kind of a fallacy last year. You know, I think maybe we should, one of us should do a column on like fantasy dispatches from the multiverse. 
where Greg Williams was the the Cleveland Browns head coach. And yeah, uh, but I'm I'm gonna have Monken as the offensive coordinator. And that's uh, fine. I'm fine with that. That's yeah. that's your multiverse, and mine has kitchens. So All right. you know. Maybe but as far that. as as far as Kareem Hunt, like he's supposed to be getting action, and um, I think that's really bad news for Chubb. But this is something that everybody saw coming. Like, yeah, I I was telling people in the summer that Chubb was going too high because Hunt was inevitable. It wasn't like maybe Hunt returns at some point. No, Hunt right. was coming back. And the thing is, if they went out of their way to get Hunt, they were going to use Hunt. And we thought that this was going to be a fertile. Uh, offense so that where there would be a lot of touchdowns and a lot a lot of yards and it's not so now you have a smaller pie that's being shared to some degree we don't know how it's going to be shared but chubb and hunt are going to form some um measure of a committee you know i uh it's i don't know a i think hunt is coming back from injury he had that sports hernia surgery that no one seems to be talking about and, yeah like, that's because right he's, now, he's that's right because now. That's, but that's totally healed, Dondo. Like, is that, it? Though, like right now, it's supposed to be totally healed. Like this is the six right. to eight week timeline. He had it's it like eight, September first, right? So it's been it's been over eight weeks. So why should that be an issue? He's weak. He's, I mean, you're okay to play, but I mean, like, has he been conditioning? Has he been lifting? Has he been, you know, hit, getting hit that, in practice? Eight weeks from the hernia surgery is return to play, not return to practice. Return, but I'm saying like return to play at that level. You know, like a guy who. His ACL is messed up. He's you know he's not lifting stuff like that. Uh, that surgery hasn't proven to be something that guys you know. I, but the thing is, it they're going to see. So it, it doesn't matter whether he's productive or not. It's still going to cost um, Chubb touches. And Hunt's a good player, so Hunt probably will be productive. And if he makes a splash play at some point, they're going to give him more work. They're going to say like, hey, let's give Hunt the ball some more. Well, you know, the other part of my theory is that that's good. Like Hunt comes in, the Browns, I think, are fourth to last in the NFL in first downs and like third to last in in play calls or play offensive plays run. So if Hunt comes in and say he gets them like an extra three or four first downs, uh, you know, that's like 12 plays and Hunt can have all those snaps and all those plays and not hurt Chubb. So in, in a way, if he can create more offensive plays, uh, good. He's not eating out of anyone's snaps. He's he's creating more plays. I mean, I, crazy? I, 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 I think it is crazy. I see what you're saying. There is a logic to that, um, but I just think it's bad. Losing losing touches and losing market share is just bad. And but he wouldn't be. Uh, I mean, he'd be losing Chubb, market share, but not touches. Potentially, but but the thing is, if if Hunt is that productive, why are they going to just limit him to those plays? Well, no, I'm saying he he would – if he's that good and he helps the offense that much, he's going to get them more first downs. It doesn't have to be those plays that he's created, those first downs that he's created, but I'm just saying if you throw 12 more plays in there because you're effective enough to get the team four more first downs per game, uh, you know, it's, right. it's you've, you've created 12 more snaps out of thin okay. air and you're not but taking it away I'm, from anybody. But what I'm saying is if you're creating snaps out of thin air, you're going to get more snaps. Right. So he's going to lose market share, but Nick Chubb isn't going to lose. Yes, he'll lose a percentage of snaps, say, but he won't lose. You know, if he's still going to get his 18 carries for 99 yards. No, because I'm just saying, if if Hunt is that effective, where he's actually changing the 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 shape of the Browns' offense, why are they going to just stop him at those plays and well, not I mean, give him more he plays? 12, 12 is a lot. You know, 12 carries. 
12 touches on top of whatever he might I, steal I, from Dontrell Hilliard, which is probably like four. Ch- Ch- Chubb is the only Chubb is the only thing that's been working in the Browns offense from a fantasy standpoint. And I think right. Chubb is a tough rank this week. The fact that Chubb is a tough rank shows you that it was a mistake to draft Chubb where you drafted him. Okay. But although you've gotten a lot of good out of Chubb and Chubb on your team might be the reason you're six and three right now, as opposed to three and six. So maybe he did help you. Yeah, in sure. Ways no, that there's no be measured there's, objectively. There's no doubt there's no doubt he helped you, but you know, a guy's not a, you know, uh, sixth overall pick or wherever people were taking Chubb if it we're in week ten and you don't know where to rank him. Right. All right, fine. We'll see what happens. How about that? Let's leave it at that. We'll let's see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it could be interesting. Um, I want to finish right. up. Uh, I got to put some Jets in here for you because you are, as as the commenters point out all the time, you're a Jets homer. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I am I am far from a homer, but I, I am a Jets fan. But um, go ahead. The oh wait no you know what first of all special intermission interruption because um, I think we're coming up on the the 35 minute mark here, which is where we like to keep our things. Uh, you and I were talking about cards. And I was actually just peppering your brain about these Topps holiday cards, which are amazing. Um, you still go to baseball card shows and stuff, right? I do, but I'm I collect vintage. Even though I write the cards, the new cards for Topps, I I actually personally collect vintage cards. But this the the main set that I work on for Topps is the Heritage set, which is like the throwback set, which is new players on on vintage looking cards with a lot of legacy players that you have to write. When do those come out? When's, when's the Selfino set coming out? 2020. I think probably. Yeah. Like February or so. It's exciting. You know, my box. I'll support you. Yeah. I think I'm getting a, maybe we'll buy a box and give it away. (laughs) Good. You deserve it. Uh, Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. I just want to throw that in there. Our buddy Selfino has got a cool side job. When he's not doing stuff for the athletic, um, right. Jets backfield, and also check out the holiday the holiday cards. I got my first one that I bought on eBay yesterday. It's Mike Trout jumping for a a ball against the outfield wall, but the people at Tops photoshopped in a Christmas tree, and in his other hand he's got the star, so it looks like he's jumping to put the star on the top of the tree, and it's, just, it's such a beautiful Wal- piece of art. Yeah, it's only Walmart. It, it, Oh, only Walmart and Target. I think Walmart and Target is my understanding for for the those holiday boxes. Well, I have alerts at um, Walmart.com for when they become available. So <laughs> look out. Um, anyway, oh, sorry. Back on track, really quick. Let's wrap up the show with the Jets' backfield. Um, assuming Le'Veon yeah, Bell is not you're, playing. Your question: Why are we assuming that? Do you have information uh, that I don't? No, I, I thought that he's. Prepared. My my information is he's likely to play, but but go ahead, proceed. Well, uh, okay. Well, then let's you know what. Let's just play in that arena. We don't know what Le'Veon Bell's status is going to become game time. Um, you know, let's say Bilal Powell and Ty Montgomery are on a lot of waiver wires. Which way are you going to go? Who's going to be the guy? A Powell, hundred percent. Montgomery is like he he's a. He's kind of like a gadget hybrid player. If if anything were to happen all year when Bell has uh, come out or has been uh, hampered by, you know, one of these massive shots he takes because no one blocks for him, um, it's been Powell that's come into the game. 
All right. So not like Montgomery has that shape of Bell as the pass-catching running back. Well, they don't really throw passes to Bell yeah, for some true. reason. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. They don't throw – Gase is not throwing passes to Bell by design. He's just – they just happen to throw passes to Bell. But it's never like, hey, Bell's running a circle route. Hey, Bell's lined up as an outside receiver. He's going to work one-on-one against a linebacker. It's like right. you, you hardly ever see stuff like that with the Jets offense. All right, we got to go. I'm glad we got some Jets and top stuff in. By the, um, by the way, you know you know how many plays inside the I did the inside the five article for the athletic, um, focusing mostly on receivers, uh, and and um, uh, like forty three percent of those plays are touchdowns. You know how many plays inside the five the Jets have this year? The Patriots uh, have thirty nine. The Patriots I'll have say th- thir- I'll say twelve. You edited the article, I thought. Yeah, six. Funston did. Funston did. Oh, Funston did. Okay, six, six. Man, I was- six plays inside the five. Not good. Nope. On that note, uh, follow Michael at Michael Salfino on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to war- warning: it's not all sports. Uh, so get, prepare to get triggered if you're uh, if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, theathletic.com/slash PBC if you want forty percent off your subscription. It's a special holiday season gift from uh, Michael Salfino and all of us here at the Athletic. Thanks for joining us, Michael Salfino. Uh, hopefully, maybe you'll be the first guy to come on three times. Who knows? We got a lot of season left. We'll we'll see how uh, Josh Reynolds works out now that I got his name right. (laughs) And Josh Robinson. Stay tuned. Remember that. If Reynolds pops, you heard it here first. Well, second after Beller corrected me. True. Uh, Talk to you later, Mike. Talk to you later, everybody.